Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. What's up, everyone? The live chat is on fire today. I'm seeing hashtag no more mergers. And here's a here's a personal favorite from Steve. Warner Mount. Warner Mount. <laughs> Warner Mount. <laughs> uh, Paramax. Like, Paramax Plus. Paramount Brothers. That doesn't work. That's not funny. It sounds like a bagel company, like the Einstein Bros. Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, maybe that would make it a little more pleasant. I do like Einstein Brothers bagels. <laughs> <laughs> they make good bagel sandwiches. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's my entire diet whenever I go to Sundance. <laughs> uh, we have a big topic today, Maggie. Are you are you uh, are you feeling good about this one? <laughs> I'm feeling good about talking about it, not feeling good about the idea of it. <laughs> Was about to clarify after I said that. All right, we're just jumping right into it. We are first talking about the news that. Warner Brothers and Paramount have been discussing a merger. Oh, I just like need a breath after saying that. Um, I'm going to read a couple things from a bunch of reports out there. Um, One of the uh, first articles I had read about it came from Variety. Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global have held talks about a potential merger. And just so you know, this was first uh, first reported by Axios. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav met with Paramount Global CEO Bob Backish on Tuesday. Um, according to Variety, the status of the talks are described as very preliminary. And then they go on to explain that the two companies would be looking to pool their assets, which span TV, film, sports, and streaming, to gain greater scale and operational efficiency. Specifically, Warner Brothers and Paramount would have an interest in combining Max and Paramount Plus to better compete with 
Netflix and Disney+. Then, of course, on the film side, this would mean Warner Brothers would acquire properties from Paramount like Terminator, Transformers, Mission Impossible, Top Gun, A Quiet Place, Teeny Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Godfather, Paranormal Activity, Scream, Star Trek, and more. A merger would also be expected to combine the TV operations. Warner Brothers Discovery has CNN, HBO, TNT, TBS, Discovery Channel, Cartoon Network, Food Network, HGTV, TLC, and more, while Paramount has CBS, Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, and BET. Crap. Yeah. I tried not to say the curse word. <laughs> Murders stress me out, Maggie. Same. Stress me out. Are yeah. you, uh, do, do you have like, like the tiniest sliver of positivity should this merger pan out? Or in your mind, is it all doom and gloom and ultimate negativity in the long run? It is all doom and gloom, but I will say my, my only real like positive thought about it was thinking back to like my childhood when King's Dominion had their contract with Paramount and they could actually have branded stuff. And they had Scooby-Doo, which was the Warner Brothers thing, because they have always kind of had this kind of weird symbiotic relationship between those two studios. Um, You know, looking at a lot of their programming, there's even like shared stuff with like the CW, um, you know, back when it was WB, those kind of things. So there's always kind of been this weird nebulous relationship. There were some DC comics with crossovers with Star Trek back in the mid-aughts like there's been a lot of weird kind of relationship stuff there but I do not think that it should be a um, full merger in any way shape or form they should just continue doing like the smart trading the way that Disney does with Netflix and like Mm -hmm. renting out their catalogs and doing stuff like that I don't think combining their assets when neither one of them, you know, is maybe in the best financial situation uh, is really smart. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of uh, full mergers like this in general. And, you know, we, you know, like we were, you were just getting at, we, we've seen situations where big studios can support each other and create an all ships rise kind of situation without actually being like, let me eat you and claim you as my own and eliminate the amount of big studios we have. Cause we've already seen that happen fairly recently. And to, to lose another one so soon would be, I think would be pretty detrimental in the yeah. long run. I mean, on the other hand, I am trying to be open-minded in terms of the the current, uh, you know, financial situation a lot of the studios are in, how the distribution model and viewer habits is changing. Like things, things need to change. Something needs to yeah. happen. I just do think that something like this will maybe not even necessarily fix, but band-aid certain problems that they're having now but doing so would sacrifice the longevity of the industry. I forget which article I read this in, but the fewer big studios we have, it is predicted that there will not be enough content to support movie theaters then. So mm-hmm. something like this could create a, a ripple effect where you wind up harming other sectors of the industry, which makes me very nervous. Yeah. My first thought was, what does Tom Cruise think about this? Because he's always been such a ride or die for Paramount. So it makes me wonder, like, what's his thoughts on this? I I need like variety or deadline to get in on getting those thoughts because, you know, he seems to always have some sort of opinion when it comes to studios, the studio system, and also just like the, the health and longevity of movies. And this definitely, like, as you said, there could jeopardize the future of, you know, movie going experiences. I mean, ultimately, I don't think that the FTC or the government will allow this to happen. There were already a lot of politicians speaking out about it yesterday and like pointing out that Discovery has never really 
come back from buying Warner Brothers as it mm-hmm. is. Like they're not really in a great financial position and monopolies are inherently bad. Uh, so, you know, I think that they're going to have a lot of um, red tape that they're going to have to get through to even get past this preliminary stage. Yeah, there was a couple of uh, quotes in US t- to USA Today that I think are worth reading. And, and one, uh, I'll get to it eventually, but one I think did hint at the fact that they didn't think this would happen. I hope I actually wrote that one down here now. Um, this first quote is from Paul Erickson, a media and entertainment technology analyst and principal of Erickson Strategy and Insights. He said, this potential mega merger is a significant bellwether for the industry and does increase consolidation momentum, even if it doesn't actually come to fruition. The mere reality of two major players being driven by mutual challenges and competitive forces to entertain a merger is an indication that collaborations, mergers, and acquisitions at all levels may be needed to survive today's market pressures. <laughs> like, I think that idea scares me even more than this single merger happening. Um, the article goes on to say, what will consolidation in the streaming industry mean for customers? Con- consolidation, of course, would result in fewer choices and higher prices. But then they also give the flip side of that. Um, they say the hyper-competitive nature of today's streaming industry may also rein in prices, according to Eric. And this is a quote, retention and churn prevention are just as important, if not more important than subscriber acquisition today. So Hmm. this is a potential win for both the streaming consumer and the company if the combined entity offers reasonable pricing and flexible subscription options. Again, like that is a potential positive. But again, that sounds like a short term positive. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm a much uh, I'm a much bigger fan of playing the long game with an industry that I love rather than putting on band aids on current problems. Yeah. Also, current problems that are caused by largely caused by I think irresponsible spending. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was something that a lot of po- people pointed out. Like, it, how can you trust Warner Brothers with more properties when they're already like? doing really unethical business practices with, you know, doing tax write-offs and stuff like that and laying off people to only improve like the upper echelons of the, the studio. And so that, that, you know, as somebody who has a lot of people who work in this industry as friends, like it scares me to think that like you could combine Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, you know, a career field that is already very much in jeopardy. Animation Mm -hmm. is always being whittled down. And the idea of combining those two together is like a whole entire half of a company losing employees. And that's terrifying. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely one big red flag with any merger. I remember when that happened with Fox and Disney, and it mm-hmm. just like shattered my heart to see that hurt so many wildly talented people who were very deserving of their jobs. So the fewer yeah. companies we have, the uh, the the less variety we'll have in our content, but also the less opportunities there's going to be in this yeah. industry. So let's avoid another mega merger, please. Please. Absolutely. Yeah, we sh- we shall see. Collider Dailies will continue to monitor this situation and cover it for you. So make sure to tune in coming weeks, months, years. Years. Speaking <laughs> into existence. I will. I will. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, all right, next up. Ooh, I'm excited about this, Maggie. <laughs> we are going to review Bradley Cooper's new movie, Maestro. I'll just, I'll spoil our review right now. Why I'm so excited about this review is because a certain someone loves the movie and perhaps even use the word masterpiece, which he often hesitates to use, whereas the other is strongly anti-maestro. Yeah. Maggie, do you want to take it first? Yes. Um, I am very mean about this movie. It was the only movie this entire year that I genuinely thought about getting up and walking out of. And I think it's because I have, like, to some degree, like, an emotional attachment to musical theater, which, you know, Leonard was very involved in. And that's where I've I've learned a lot of stuff about him over the years. So I came into this as, like, somebody who has, like, historian's background and knows a lot about him. And I felt like this was more of a character of who the man was than necessarily a biopic and it felt like with Bradley being you know the director the writer and the star that he took the things from you know Bernstein's life that he thought would be a good like Oscar role for him like that there was like stuff about Leonard's life you know he was, you know, watched by the FBI for some of his involvement in civil rights movements. He was blacklisted for a while. And while he never like went before like the house on house committee or any of that era, he was still very much affected by that. And he did a lot of like activism for like the AIDS crisis and for Vietnam war. And like, there's a lot of facets to his life and Felicia's life that I felt like were left out of this in favor of like seven minute, seven minute long um, orchestration scenes. And then I felt like there was like some weird framing of like his bisexuality that came across kind of weird because it was used to show that he cheated, even though he also cheated with her on women. And so it was just, it felt like a weird framing in a lot of ways. And I ultimately felt like, um, his legacy was sacrificed for Bradley's desire to be Oscar nominated, uh, which is never a great feeling to feel when you're watching a movie that you were really excited for. Like I was really excited for this because I, I know a lot about the subject and I have liked Bradley's like other works and I love Carrie Mulligan. Uh, and it was just ultimately very disappointing. Okay. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a different of, difference of perspective here yeah. because I did not come at this with, with a, a, a historian level knowledge of, uh, of his experience. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously I knew the broad strokes given how iconic he is and how yes. his works are everywhere. I went in. I always hate talking about expectations, but like we're, we're human beings. Literally, everybody goes into a movie with expectations. It's about keeping your mind open enough to experiencing the story that the filmmaker wants to tell. The expectations I did go into it with was, you know, I don't know if like a traditional biopic about uh, about Leonard Bernstein is really going to be for me. I like I just I don't know if I'm going to like it for that reason. And then what I got was as 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 untraditional as i could have imagined i was i was really shocked and taken by how well woven i thought his his uh the depiction of the pursuit of his career and craft was mm. with his personal relationships in his life and like i thought both were on their own path that were really strong stood on their own two feet and got stronger by how they were woven together and I think one of my biggest takeaways by the end of the movie was I didn't expect Maestro to leave me in a puddle of tears. But I think mm-hmm. 
Bradley Cooper, I think, is phenomenal in this movie. I, I could name many a scenes where I'm like that, like re- the scene that you pinpoint, I yeah. think, is one of the most exceptional scenes of the entire year on many different levels, like performance, craftsmanship, you name it. I do think Carrie Mulligan is is the maestro sneak attack where she mm-hmm. comes in and winds up stealing the movie by the end. And I do agree I've, with you on that fact. She, she's exceptional. I've seen many performances from her that I like love, love, love. Oh, yeah. I need to watch this a few more times before I say something this definitive. But like th- this is going to be top tier for me from her. I thought she was exceptional in this. But overall, I was I was incredibly moved and just like mesmerized by the visual craftsmanship in this movie. I love the movie. Like the fact that he opted. And also now I'm like thinking about a million things, but also Bradley behind the lens. One thing I really appreciated about this movie is I think that like everything that I was witnessing signaled to me that this was exclusively his version of the movie, which I always appreciate. I never really want to see a movie where I, I sit there and I'm like, any filmmaker could have made that. I like, I like when someone puts their stamp on it. And I saw that in so many ways here, a particularly effective choice he made, I think, was to capture many major moments in longer shots rather than have them be overly edited. And when it comes to that like six, seven minute uh, cathedral performance, another thing that I really love in that is like there's something about the sound design in it where like you're not like you might not even realize it's happening until after the fact but somehow it's training your ear to like focus there's a multitude of sounds happening but to focus on the right thing at the right time and I feel like to be able to pull off something like that is is just like a real accomplishment for every single department, but then also for Bradley Cooper as the film's helmer to bring everything together so seamlessly while making sure he's being like, look at how damn good their individual work is. So really like every single layer of Maestro, I just thought I'll reuse the word I used in my in my tweet, exquisite. I loved it. I love how like completely polar opposites are. The thing is, is that, you know, I don't think like Bradley Cooper's a bad director at all or a bad writer. I like what he does behind the scenes a lot. And I like the performances he gives when he's being directed by somebody else. And so it's like, it's a weird, it's like a weird, uh, like merger for me to, to, to play off of the idea of murders of seeing him doing all three. And I feel like, I don't know, in my like perspective, there's certain aspects that end up being lost in the, the weight. Cause I mean, being the director, being the writer, being the star that's like a lot a lot <laughs> to put into it especially with the film with this much built into it mm-hmm. yeah i mean you know if you're gonna take on all those jobs you got to put a lot of your life into a movie and i think he said he's been working on this for something like like six years he, yeah. he really learns how to conduct and all that stuff um i'm trying to think of other uh crafts elements that i would that i would want to highlight but really every single element of this is exceptional also shout out to maya hawk I mean, I love I love seeing an actor come in and take a smaller amount of screen time and make it feel so whole and real. And like, even though that person is a small player in this particular version of the story, that she's having a big influence. And I feel like every time she walked into frame, like my eye was naturally drawn to her and she was serving the movie just as she should be. So even though she's not in the Oscar conversation right now, I just want to say Maya Hawk crushed it in this movie and just continues to deliver big in literally everything I've seen her in. Yeah, she's great. She's a very talented performer. All right. So I said, I said, I said the O word. I said Oscar. You did. <laughs> so we should move on to our third topic. So 
This was a this was one that just came to mind today because we knew we were going to be talking about a potential Oscar contender. We're each going to pinpoint the Oscar nomination we are rooting for this season more than any other for any reason. I think we're going to have different reasons because I, I know the track you went down, so I purposely picked a different path. Maggie, what is your pick? What are you rooting for most of all? So I am really rooting, and I think it's going to happen. It would be like a shocking if it didn't happen, but I've been rooting for Killian Murphy to finally get nominated for an Oscar. Um, I think that he is one of the most talented actors of this generation of, of performers, and it is shocking to me that he hasn't really gotten much more you know, accolades beyond like critics groups and that over the last you know two decades or so um and i think that he is just incredibly talented in oppenheimer he does very well with that role and like the the nuances to the to nolan's script for that character uh and i would i would be truly shocked if he doesn't get nominated um because he's very much in the the front runner of kind of that top five you know uh nominees but he's who i have been rooting for all year um and nothing so far has kind of wavered me from from him being like my top pick when it comes to like the SAG ballot and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. I think you're, you're going to be in good shape. I, I would be, I, I don't like speaking with like a uh, definitives or like a hundred percent utmost certainty because you never know what could happen, but I would truly be shocked if he didn't get that nomination. And right now he is the front runner for me. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Bradley Cooper and maybe eventually Paul Giamatti will be nipping at his heels a little bit, but mm-hmm. right now it is, like that, that award is is his to lose. So I kind of want to see him win it too. I feel like a lot of times it's harder for performances that are maybe less showy and more subtle mm-hmm. to get this kind of recognition. And that is kind of what his version of Oppenheimer is. Cause he's like, he's not super showy, but Killian is exceptional at bringing someone's internal world to life before your eyes on screen and making you feel things that as someone who has no understanding of that kind of science, I should never be able to to think I feel or understand. So I think those qualities mean he is top tier. He'll definitely yeah. get the nomination, I think. I hope so. I, I just rewatched Dunkirk um, earlier this month, and it reminded me of like how good he as it has yeah. been in so many performances that haven't really gotten much recognition. It's time. It's time. Yes. It's happening. I believe. All right. So I went. I went a different route. I picked someone who is who is like on the bubble in a particular category. It happens to be the same category, and. Right now, I do have him in my five. I'm I'm getting a little nervous that he could get bumped out because there is competition. I'm going to say Coleman Domingo for mm. Rustin. I think Rustin got got overlooked in, in many a categories. I think it's a very strong film and I loved it. But I do think it is like a strong film with like an exceptional lead performance. The way that he loses himself in that role and recreates like so many different, uh, you know, facets of his personality and his experience. And I don't know, just like the the clear like time and heart he put into bringing his story to screen, I think really deserves to be honored. And, you know, the the hope is also like, again, with the Oscars, whenever someone gets nominated, you want them to be nominated purely for that performance in that movie being that much better than the other ones. But like, that's just not how the human brain works. So the other hope I have for him getting pushed into that category is that 
how good he is in Rustin will get like a nice little boost from how good he is in the color purple. Oh, and yeah. maybe that will push him in. At this point, my brain is actually thinking over Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon. So that would make my best actor picks. Killian, Bradley Cooper, Paul Giamatti, Jeffrey Wright, and Coleman Domingo. And if that is the five we get, Maggie, I'll That's be a great so five. happy. And I won't care who wins because <laughs> I love them five. all. Yeah. There it is. There it is. That's our that's our Oscar nominations we're rooting for most. That's our episode of Collider Dailies. You're back tomorrow. I you know. am with I'm John. On. Yeah, I'm I'm handing over the reins for you two tomorrow. I'll just tease. We have some wonderful programming for you next week. So do not think we are going to leave you hanging for the holiday season. So on Monday, we're doing something very fun. We are doing a virtual white elephant gift exchange with the whole Collider Dailies team. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. I'm hoping it gets a little spicy because white elephant demands some, you know, some sneaky moves, some gift stealing. I'm feeling good about it. I'm excited. Okay. And then after that, what we're going to do is we're going to split up the rest of the days of the week. Me and Steve, John and Maggie, each pair's first show is going to be a uh, like a combination of best of the year list. We're each going to pick our own categories. Like obviously my brain goes to things like best horror. Maybe we'll do that. Best horror movies of the year. So that's the first two episodes. That's Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday and Friday, you're going to get each pairings top three movies of 2023. So you got a lot of good stuff to look forward to. And with that, I will say happy Thursday and John and Maggie will see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. PT for a brand new Collider Dailies. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.